It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we are back on the Locked on Wizards podcast. Another wild one for the Wizards, but this time they finally take down the Miami Heat. Uh, ben Standing here to help explain what the heck happened here with us on the podcast. The the uh, the guy who is uh, a big sports guy who's a, I would say, a frustrated fan of the Wizards. Uh, he's also, more importantly, the executive producer of the Chris Mannix Show on NBC Radio. NBC Sports Radio, excuse me, Mr. Adam Garcia. Adam, how are we doing? Did you did you survive that game? Somehow I survived. If I, if I was able to survive that third quarter, I guess I could pretty much survive anything, right? <laughs> I mean, it feels like if we haven't had you on this season. It feels like that was a game that had all elements of the wizard season. You had the great, you had the good start. Uh, you, you had everybody feeling pretty good. You had, but then you had, and you had like the John Wall. Highlights, he gives the nutmeg play through Hassan Whiteside. You got Otto Porter hitting threes early. Uh, but then you have the, the, the lead blown in the start the second half. You, uh, you got the Jan Mahimi disaster, which we'll get into. You get Otto Porter being invisible on offense because they don't give him the ball. You got the, then you got the John Wall chase down. But this time, you also get the comeback, all needed for a, uh, a big win for the Wizards. Um, we're going to talk about all that and more. Of course, if you want to find us on the podcast, uh, find the podcast, go to iTunes or anywhere else you do your podcasting. Um, Adam, so much to talk about because I want to get your thoughts, not just on this game, but the season. But when they blow that lead in the third quarter, are you thinking to yourself, because by that point you were pot committed to come here, were you thinking to yourself, oh boy, let me check my blood pressure because this is about to get wild? I, I believe me, I wish that that's what I was thinking. My first thought was, really, we're doing this again? I mean, it just seems like every single season, it either it's the fourth, third quarter or the fourth quarter. It, there's always a bad quarter in there. It's not, it's not a mediocre quarter. It's a bad quarter. I mean, tonight was epically bad. They had ten points. I mean, we all saw it. We're all. If you weren't there and you're watching on TV like I was, you're screaming at the TV every single time down. It's one pass and a shot or no passes and take a bad shot. I mean, it was just every single time down the court. And it's just, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, like I said, really doing this again, every single season, every single game, there's always a bad quarter. Listen, teams are going to play bad. You have stretches, you have five minute stretches, six minute stretches, but there's always a bad quarter with this team. And the guys, it's not like it's a young team. I mean, we can say that they're a veteran team now. They've all played together for one, two, three years. There's, there shouldn't be any excuses where this just keeps happening over and over again. 
Yeah, no, the, the, the inconsistency is what's going to kill them down the line if that's not squared away. Obviously, you know, we're 14 games in. We'll see if they do it. But through 14 games, this is all we can base things on. They've had those letdowns, like you said. Let's, uh, let's note some of the positives, though, because obviously they did win 102-93. Uh, for whatever reason, NBA.com does not have a final box up. So I'm going to have to wing this a little bit here. But some things to note. First of all, four straight wins, right? That's That's pretty good. Uh, every game they've held the opponent under 100 points. I think I saw uh, Todd Divis tweet out under 95 points. So good work right there because defense was the issue. Uh, they were up 61 to 49 at halftime, uh, hitting threes all over the place. Like we said, you know, like that would indicate defense was working. Third quarter, things completely fell apart, outscored 25 to 10, and then they get down seven points. Adam with, uh, Nine minutes and – hold on, let me pull up exactly here because I want to make this point. Nine minutes and uh, 47 seconds left. They're down 80 to 73. Now, at that point, right before that, you know, I'm not saying that Jan Mahimi was the reason they went from being up 12 at half to being down seven because obviously he wasn't even on the court for most of the third quarter when they were blowing it. But right before that, uh, they get the seven. He has back-to-back uh, turnovers. And Scott Brooks at that point takes him out. Markeith Morris comes in. Within th- within three minutes and change, the Wizards go on uh, a fifteen to three run, and that's where they took things over uh, for, for, from there. Uh, everybody's frustrated with Mahimi, and again, I wouldn't pin the loss on him by any stretch if they had lost. But what, on a scale of uh, I don't, I'm trying to think what's the on a scale of one to a hundred, where are you at on the, the Mahimi frustration right now? I mean, I again, they're nine and five. Like they're not a bad team. We know they're not a bad team. They're they're going to be a three, four, five seed in the playoffs. I mean, hopefully a three or a four seed, maybe even higher. But they're not a bad team. But you look at at Mahimi, and it's all whenever you talk about Mahimi, you always talk about that contract that that he got last year. And yes, we know what was going on in free agency and all the money that was being thrown around. But I read an article either yesterday or today where. Does Mahimi have the worst contract in the NBA? And fortunately for the Knicks, they gave Joakim Noah the worst contract. But every time I every time I see him play, I I I talk to myself, I talk to whoever's around me, and I talk about Jason Smith as if he is one of the best players in the NBA. Because I would take him a hundred times out of a hundred to be on the court over Mahimi. Mahimi doesn't add anything. And I just – he played 17 minutes today. He had two points, took one shot, okay. But he has two rebounds. How can a guy who is a center have two rebounds? I, it just – it's mind-boggling to me when he comes out there and only has two, one, two, three rebounds. He should be having – if he's going to play 15, 20 minutes a game, he should have four to six – at least four to six rebounds a game. When you have two rebounds, it's just – it's either you don't know where to be on a missed shot. You you can't you can't read where the ball is going to go. A lack of effort. You're not interested. Like I don't know what it is with him, but it's just every single time he comes in, it just seems like it's the the play. Like you were saying, just goes down. And he seems like a great guy, but he's not what you need on the court. I'm sorry. You have Gortat. They're the exact same players in terms of the way that they play. 
but Mahimi is, is if Gortat is is one A, Mahimi is like four C. He's just not a good replacement as a backup. It, it it doesn't make sense why he why he gets fifteen to twenty minutes a game. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the the Wizards will never say this, and I'm not. You know, the money has to be some sort of a factor. They've got to get they've got to get him going because you know they made the investment they got to figure it out i also say i said this i think i said this on the podcast one of the podcasts this week that part of what's working against jason smith right now is the knowledge that whenever he plays he might miss 10 games in a row but that whenever he does play he will be ready mentally to get the job done and um that's not nothing you know that's a big deal for coach because not every guy is gonna be able to handle uh, sitting out for for long stretches. So right or wrong, I think Scott Brooks is trying to play that game uh, out. But but just from a practical standpoint, like you talked about, and we've all you know we've all talked about this that when you have Gortad and Mahimi, neither one of them is able to guard a stretch five. So for example, Miami has a guy named Kelly Olynyk who didn't have a particularly impressive game today by any stretch, but nonetheless, he's the kind of guy that gives the Wizards uh, problems. Not and I don't just mean the game seven uh, of the playoffs. What was happening, uh, Olenek didn't have much in the way of offense, but in terms of the Wizards' defense, you know, when you have Gortat Mahimi out there, it's much harder for them to switch on everything because you, they those guys can't guard anybody on the perimeter. They can't even, they, they struggle to guard a shooter like Olenek, let alone if they're switched on to a wing player or a guard, right? So when the Wizards brought in Markeith Morris at that point, um, at the, you know, at the 947 mark and go on the 15 to 3 run, and close the game out basically from there. Just defensively, they're able to do a lot more stuff. And, uh, and, and, you know, they took advantage of it. By the way, during that whole stretch when they turned things around, Hassan Whiteside was on the bench. He didn't, he, he finishes with 21 rebounds, but he was on the bench that whole time. He doesn't come back in till the Wizards already have the lead. And that was a big factor the other way. They could go small because Miami had Whiteside out of the game. And, and, well, that was part of the reason that Whiteside was, wasn't in the game was was because the Wizards were going small and the Wizards were able to to move the ball up the court quickly and play peri- play in the, with the perimeter game and Whiteside doesn't really help you when when the other team is going small and that's what the Wizards were doing and going like I'm gonna mention Jason Smith's name again but that's something that if you want to have a bigger guy in there that's what Jason Smith would at least add because he he's not gonna he's not gonna bump you and bruise you down low. But he's gonna he's gonna spread the court out, and almost every single team in the NBA now has that stretch five that you mentioned. The Wizards really don't, because especially since they're not using Jason Smith at all, he is your stretch five. But they don't use him, so right now they don't have that guy. And when you have so many other teams that have that guy, it makes it a little bit difficult when it's just Mahimi and Gortat. Yeah, no, I mean that was definitely one of the things that they didn't. You know, we talked about that they didn't fix. You know. Um, and you and I are in agreement. Their bench, by and large, is better. We're going to talk about some of the curious, though, bench rotation tonight. But by and large, the bench looks better than last year. It would have taken, uh, you know, the it wouldn't have taken much <laughs> for that to happen. Where things do look a little bit better, but among the pieces they're still missing, the the big man are able to go out and guard uh, opposing teams big or be able to switch defensively the way the Wizards uh, want to at, at times. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, now you mentioned sort of the where is Jason Smith. Curious tonight, the Wizards or Scott Brooks doesn't use Mike Scott at all, not for a single second. At the moment we're talking here, I haven't checked any of the pre-game, post-game comments from Brooks to know if anything is happening, if he's injured or anything, but certainly curious. He's had, I mean, after the Kings game, we spent a chunk of that podcast specifically talking about how well Mike Scott has played. Um, You know, this is another example, I guess, unless, again, unless I'm talking out of my butt here and something else is going wrong, I'll try to check this really quick. But another example of Scott Brooks not automatically sticking with the same plan game to game. And obviously that's not a bad thing per se, but his, his, his rotations, I'm still trying to figure out patterns. Uh, you know, he also tonight was another example after the last two games where the five man all bench unit did fairly nicely against, uh, uh, you know, in, in those two wins, he keeps Otto Porter on the quarter to start the second and the fourth quarter. So game to game, I still haven't quite figured out his rotation, uh, but, so it was weird to me, at least I don't know what you thought that Mike Scott was MIA on top of no Jason Smith. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really understand the Mike Scott thing also. And I, and I've been trying to find out what the deal is with that, but I mean, he's been, he's been the most consistent guy for this team coming off the bench and keep in mind, it's a much, much, much improved bench from last year. I mean, especially even with the guys that are here, Kelly, I mean, Kelly Oubre, I think you'd agree with me is, is playing the way that everybody was hoping that he would after he after last season, towards the end of last season, when he started to play well. He came into this season and has obviously he started this season, um, and then when he went to the bench, it's just night and day the bench compared to last year. And, and Mike Scott's been one of those main reasons. He's just been so consistent for them whenever he comes in there, not only offensively but defensively. I mean, he he's been great. Jody Meeks is, has shooting hasn't been terrific but but it's been good i would like to see a little bit more out of tim frazier um sadoransky i don't know why he doesn't play very much but but the bench is just so so much improved from last year that when at the end of the first quarter or the second quarter when the bench comes in your immediate thought is oh the wizards are only up by 10 they're going to be down by five when the starters come back in you start to feel, and we saw it against the Kings, where the bench really just took over that game, as you mentioned, and pulled away. And the starters didn't have to come back in. And that's what that's what will help this team when they get um, start to make that playoff push towards the end of the season. And John Wall is not playing 35, 40 minutes a game. He can play 30 minutes a game. Bradley Beal can play 30 minutes a game. Um, but Mike Scott, like we were talking about, has been been that reason. I mean, He's just been so consistent for this team coming off the bench. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's hard to argue that the bench hasn't been better. When he was going with all five of the guys together, that's when things were a struggle. And I point I've made, I didn't understand why he would do that. But then the last two games, it worked out. Then he's going away from it. So, hey, at the end of the day, they did win. I, I'm not going to – I can't really quibble too much with a win. Uh, but I do want to get – since you're here, we haven't had you on. I want to get to your real, – Real quick, Ben. Yep. Ben, isn't it nice, though, that we can have these have these conversations and we can talk uh, either, either on podcast or on Twitter or text message or whatever? 
and you were complaining and finding things wrong when a DC sports team wins. <laughs> How nice is that? Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It, it, it's not so much that we're being nitpicky, but right. It is nice to be able to, uh, <laughs> we're like, we're, we're like, we have, I don't think I've even mentioned the, the name Bradley Beal yet. He scored 26 points. I didn't mention John Wall had 27. We're sort of taking all that in, sort of, yeah, you know, they did well. Let's get to the other, let's get to some of the other, other parts. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the Wizards are good enough that we can complain if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's nice going into games and believe me, we, we've been through, this Wizards team in years past, we've been through the Cavs, we've been through the Redskins, where you go into games and you expect to lose. You're really happy when they win, but you expect to lose. It's not that way anymore. We expect, the, we as fans, expect the Wizards to go into every single game, it doesn't matter who they're playing, and win or at least compete to the very end. And yeah, we're nitpicking about all these things, but it's nice. It is a really nice feeling to to go into games and and finding things wrong when they win because you expect you or when they lose because you expect them to win. Absolutely. All right, I want to talk a couple more uh, bigger picture stuff here with uh, Adam Garcia from the NBC Sports Radio, part of the or the executive producer of the Chris, Chris Mannix show, uh, right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> it's funny me doing these, like, trying to put in these breaks where commercials hypothetically are going to go with a radio <laughs> guy who's like, okay, dude, what are you doing? Anyway, uh, so, uh, so bigger picture, what, they're nine and five, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're just based on record, you know, again, we can quibble about the defense and the rotation and Jan Mahimi and whatever, but in terms of the bigger picture, you know, they're in a, you know, fine position, right? A nine and five. You know, right now, if I'm looking at it, as updated these standings are, I think they're tied for third in the East. Boston's on this crazy good run, 13 wins in a row. Detroit, the team the Wizards beat, is in second. But, you know, they're right there. You know, they're not blowing it with a terrible start to the season uh, like like some other teams. Um, what has stood out to you the most watching this team, whether you're talking about the Stars, any role player, or any, any particular angle? What what is standing out to you so far this season that has you let's just say encouraged uh, about what you what you're seeing? Otto Porter. I mean, I, I don't hesitate uh, when you ask him that question because Otto Porter, when I watch him, and you see it with so many different players in so many different sports, when they when 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 guys get this max deal and are making eighty, ninety, a hundred million dollars after signing that, you see the play maybe decrease a little bit. And with Otto Porter, I mean, it's just the money, it, it doesn't it doesn't phase him, it seems like. He just wants to play ball. And he goes out there every single day, he keeps his mouth shut, puts his head down, and does the work. I mean, tonight he had 13 rebounds. He led the team in rebounds. He, it just every single game he goes out there and competes. I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier. He sort of 
vanished and the Wizards didn't look to him uh, in the second half, but he was five for six in the first half. I, th- I believe he was five for five at one point. He just He's so consistent with this team every single game, and it's so nice to see a player, and yes, he's on the Wizards. The fans love him. They like him because he is the hometown player, but it's nice to see just in sports a guy just being so consistent and not letting this, the big contract that he signed in the offseason phase him. And, of course, you've, I mean, you've got John Wall, who also signed that, that, that contract, but we're not talking, I'm not talking about John Wall because he's doing things that we expect. Just like I was saying before, we expect the Wizards to win now, which is great. We just expect John Wall to go out there and have 25 points and 12 assists every single game. I mean, he he does what he does, and and that's just it's fun. It's so we're we're lucky as fans to live in DC and and have him around to watch him play because he is just fun to play. It's fun to watch, and I mean those are just Auto Porter for me is the main thing that stood out to me this season. Just the consistency that he's had game in and game out. You know, uh, one one thing I've talked about before here is this from the start of like training camp on, you know, I mean, I've been, you know, everybody knows I've been covering Otto Porter since his day one at Georgetown and super quiet young man, not a big, not a talker at all, not an expressive guy. I've said that he's probably, he may, you know, <laughs> he, he may have had the lowest ego or at least uh, overt ego in the entire NBA. But you started, once the season started, you could see the confidence in him just as a guy. And you could see that translate onto the court, the way he was carrying himself. And one thing I noticed tonight in the first half, in the second quarter, he's out there with the second unit. I think it was just him and the bench guys. And they had a good little run, forced Miami to call a timeout. And as they're walking back towards the bench, Otto Porter is the one doing the, you know, the excessive clapping, you know, really sort of, you know, saying, yeah, we, you know, we did that. And you, I don't recall seeing too much of that in his career, even when he was killing Syracuse or, you know, uh, having some big games last year, or, you know, in the playoffs or whatever, he, he's not that guy, but we're starting to see more of that. And he ha- he said, I asked him this at some point here early on in the season uh, about the, the, the signing that contract actually take pressure off you. And he said, yeah, basically that, it, that it did. He just focused on the basketball. So it did, it really is interesting to watch him develop. Um, that said, I don't think he, he didn't take a three-pointer in the second half. I, I don't have, again, they still don't have the, the full box up here. I don't know if he even took more than, like, two shots in the second half. And both of those, like, one was a, a putback attempt and one was, like, at the end of the third quarter, sort of a heave. So they still run into that problem of he's not getting enough looks for a guy who is just killing it from the field uh, shooting. But he still will do so many other things. You mentioned the rebounds um, and and so on. Um, are, are you as you you obviously look, talk a lot of national bet college uh, not a lot of wide, league wide NBA stuff with uh, Chris on your show? How stunned are you with where the Celtics are at in terms of the Wizards? When you're seeing what the Celtics are doing, no Gordon Haywood, a lot of young pieces, new guys. <laughs> when you think of the Wizards, do you think like, wow, what 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 is going on here? How, how is this thing? How how are the I mean the Celtics are only going to get better, right? How are the Wizards going to you know hang in with these guys? You know, I mean, you look at the Celtics, and one, you you say to yourself, the fact that they're on a 13-game win streak is unbelievable. The next thing you think, okay, well, they're doing it without um, Gordon Hayward. They're doing it partially without Kyrie Irving, who has a fractured face, um, which makes it even more unbelievable. And then you start to say to yourself, well, this team is so young 
They have so many young guys that are under 24, under 25 years old, guys in their te- that are teenagers. It's not going to last, but yet it keeps going. They, they win. They win five games. Okay. Well, it's not going to last. They win. They win seven games. Not going to last. Now they're up to 13, and it just makes you think. How awesome of a coach is Brad Stevens? I mean, that 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 is my first thought when I when I watch the Celtics team play. Is is just Brad Stevens just knows how to talk to his players. He knows how to relate to his players. His players love him. You don't hear anybody say a bad thing about him. And that's just, I mean, when you when you see this Celtics team, if I feel like, it, yeah, the players are great on the team, but it's Brad Stevens. I mean, he. He's pulling the strings, and the guy the guys are answering. Um, and now, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was gonna say. I mean, I know it's like sacrilege to say that Greg Popovich isn't the best coach in the league, but I can definitely make a case that Brad Stevens is. And I've sort of said this before, half serious, half kidding. Brad Stevens taking Butler, Butler to the national championship game, not once, two years in a row, is one of the greatest sports feats that occurred in the last twenty years. But I know- absolutely it. it- it's not it's not like Mercer winning winning one big upset game in the NCAA tournament. Like Brad Stevens did it multiple games, multiple years. And that's not that's not luck. That that's coaching. Yeah, no, that's it's crazy. It's crazy impressive. Um, I'm, I I think I looked it up. I made a joke on Twitter earlier because I you know everything I do is on Twitter. Uh, that the Celtics will have a 34 game uh, winning streak when the when they face the Wizards on Christmas. <laughs> that's a good I, one. Uh, I'm joking. Well, let's hope that. But again, like I said, we keep saying they're going to lose. They're, they're going to start. They're going to start playing badly. At, at some point, they're going to have a bad game, but they they tend not to. But to to your to your question that you asked me at the, the beginning was about the Wizards and comparing them. I'm not too worried about the Wizards because when the Wizards play good teams, they get up for those good teams. They compete against those good teams. So if you're if you're looking at this Wizards team and you say, and let's just let's just say that when they play the Celtics, the Celtics are uh, pick a record twenty five and four. Let's, I'm just throwing out a number. I don't I don't know how far into the game or how far into the season that'll be, but let's just say that's the case. I I don't I don't care about that because you you throw you really throw it out because the Wizards they step up against good teams. That's what they do. Uh, my issue is when the Wizards play the teams that aren't good, when they play the Lakers, when they play the Suns. I mean, it's just that's more of an issue. When they play the Mavericks that had one win at the time. The, the main issue, if you're watching this Wizards team, is they need to start getting up for the, for the teams that aren't good because they come out flat. I'm not worried about when they play the Cavs, when they play the Celtics, when they play the Warriors. You know John Wall's going to be up for those games. They may not win them, but you know John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, those guys are going to be up for those games and they're going to compete. It's the it's the games against the lesser teams that that concern me. All right, so we got to keep the uh the Dallas Mavericks type team out of the playoffs and then the Wizards should be uh should be in good position. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, no, I, you're totally right. I mean, that's part of the consistency. The best teams, I mean, as somebody who used to throw down a wager or two back in the day, I used to always like betting on uh, uh, the Utah Jazz with Carl Malone and John Stockton. 
and also the same thing with the Spurs, because every game, even if they didn't cover or whatever, you knew you were getting a fair effort. Always. Absolutely. They, they had, they had that killer instinct. And that's just something that, that this team doesn't have right now. They, like I said, they get up for, for when they play the Warriors. They get up when they play the Cavs and, and Toronto, the good teams. They get up for those. But it's, it's, it's the Mets, the Suns, it's the Lakers. Pick a bad team. It's those teams that you got to get up for. you got to have a killer instinct. You put them away early, and then you don't have to worry about it. But when you, when you keep these, you come out flat, you let these teams hang around, you give them life. And that's the problem. And you, the Spurs... Greg Popovich would never let his team do that. If his teams came out flat, boy, he's calling a timeout three minutes into the game, and then they're they're coming back out, and seven minutes later, they've got a 20-point lead. Well, the good news for the Wizards, they don't have any of those lousy teams on deck. They've got a rematch with the Miami Heat Friday at home. I will be there for that. Then they're on the road at Toronto and at Milwaukee, so a lot of uh, you know, that's basically, it's basically, you figure Miami makes the playoffs or at least gets close. It's basically four straight games against, uh, legitimate playoff contending type teams and maybe even a little more than that. So it should be an interesting stretch. Wizards take the first one of that stretch. And, uh, Adam, man, I definitely appreciate your time. I know you got things to do. Anything, I'll be putting this up tonight so people will be listening to this in the morning. Anything, that, uh, what do you got going on the, the rest of this week, uh, on the, uh, on the Chris Mannix show? You know, just Monday through Friday, same, same stuff, 3 to 7 Eastern time, NBC Sports Radio. Uh, try to have the best guests as possible. We had Aaron Baines today, who was great, brought a, brought a lot of good stuff, and he actually brought something up today uh, talking about technical fouls, and I'm watching Markeith Morris out there tonight. He, I mean, his two technicals, could they have come at a worse time? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even mention yeah, Right at that, like, literally like 40 seconds after – the Wizards take over that big run that I mentioned. He gets a six foul, simultaneously a second technical. And it did have a feeling like, oh, boy, here's the momentum for Miami. But, it, it, yep, but, here, here we come. And, and Aaron, Aaron Bain said, he goes, when I was playing with Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan said to me, what's the point of getting a technical foul? One, you're losing money because you're getting fined every single time. And two, you're hurting your team. There's no point. If you, if you want to get upset, get upset. But what's the point of getting a technical foul and screaming at the refs? They're not going to change the call. And, and I mean, that's, in, it's true in any sport. What's the point of, of screaming, talking, cursing at the refs? Nothing's going to change. The only thing you're going to do is hurt your team. Yeah. Other, unless you're a uh, WWE wrestler, it doesn't make any sense. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, all right, Adam. Appreciate it, man. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Garcia NBC. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yep. All right, cool. Do that. Good, good follow. Thank you, guys. We'll be back. More podcasts this week. Wizards uh, home Friday against Miami. Uh, ben Standick signing off. And until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.